0: It's the Mind Team Solutions Podcast. Leverage your leadership with better communication and stronger relationships. Today, it's the first part of our conversation with management consultant and futurist, Joyce Joya. Joyce helps companies to prepare for uncertain times. Today, she discusses her technique for forecasting the future. Click the link in the show description for even more content related to this episode, including detailed show notes and more about Joyce.
1: And Welcome to Think About It! I'm Sylvia Henderson, your host, and I invite you to tune in, take what you see and hear, and well, think about it. So today, we're gonna have a really interesting conversation. My guest is Joyce Joya and she identifies herself as well a management consultant and a professional speaker and a clinical professor of innovation. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more but a a celebrity futurist. So Joyce, first of all, welcome to Think About It. It's great to be with you, Sylvia. Great to be with you. I have wanted to talk to you for quite a while about this because the world keeps changing on us. I'm even more intrigued with what you do. But first, because a lot of my audience probably doesn't know what this means, when you say you're a strategic business futurist, when I first heard you identify yourself as a futurist, I had these visions of the the carnival fortune teller <laughs> a lot of people do. I can tell you that so of course, over time and through your herman Trend report, and we're going to talk about that later too, I learned that there's real science and there's real research that goes into what you do. So explain more what is a business futurist? Well,
0: let me start with telling you what a futurist is okay. a futurist is someone who helps people make better decisions by knowing what's coming. Hmm. And as a business futurist, I do that for businesses. Okay. A celebrity futurist means that I've been on TV, not only in the United States, not only on the Today Show, but on national television in New Zealand, as well as
1: Ghana. Yeah, you're you are all over the world, and if anybody checks out your LinkedIn profile they'll see that you have definitely are a world traveler. So how did you come to do this? I mean, what's your, yeah, what idea launched you into being a futurist and and how did you make those steps to being a respected one? Well, I've always been
0: curious about what comes next. And what I discovered when at the age of 28, I was the publisher of, The complete buyer's guide to stereo hi fi equipment. Say that five times fast, I dare you. I discovered that if I could tell my CEO clients what was coming next, that made me very valuable to them. And so I would read Kiplinger and Forbes and Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and I became a resource to my clients. And I was able to double advertising revenues five years in a row, simply by being a valued resource to my clients.
1: Wow. Wow. So you must like to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you,
0: it's interesting. I think I never got out of one aspect of being a child. Children are very curious. Yeah. And I find that I'm curious about everything. Okay. and. That really supports me in the work that I do to prepare a a weekly distribution that I send out to 29,000 people in 90 countries in four languages called the Herman Trend Alert. And I'm fond of saying that I love to play in a lot of sandboxes. So one week, under ordinary circumstances, I will cover the future of medicine. And another week, I'll cover the future of education, and another week, I'll cover the future of the workforce and workplace. Wow. So I learn everything that I can about that topic, and then I digest it into a trend alert and put it into around 400 words. It used to be 350. Now it's, it's inching up 400. Sometimes it's 450. Thank you, translators and send it out to the distribution. I have to finish it by Sunday night because I have translators who translate it into Spanish and Portuguese. And the one that goes out in Chinese uh, goes out over Baidu. Wow.
1: With Chinese characters? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) i Well, I'd I'd love to see what that looks like. Uh, (laughs) When I looked at LinkedIn, I thought, oh my gosh, so you cover... Like you said, yeah, healthcare, software, direct marketing, that was interesting. Publishing, manufacturing, logistics, transportation. I'm like, wow, how do you get into all those topics? What I find it interesting about what you just said, how many of us who speak professionally are told, go deep into your topic, <laughs> know your topic, and how many that we know kind of don't do that, so... Yeah, you know, it pays. Yeah,
0: well, I'm currently working with a couple of amazing professionals, and I'll give them a plug here. I'm working with Rhonda Schur on a LinkedIn profile, and I'm working with David Litwin okay. to work on a a website. And the three of us are working together. And they're saying to me, "So, what niche do you want to play in?" And they are really insistent that I choose one. And it's going to be really challenging for me because I'm so fascinated with all different industries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pick a lane. Man, that's one of the hardest things when I first started (laughs) speaking. Pick a lane. So long before the world encountered COVID-19, you've offered views into the future of life, uh, both in the USA and globally. So talk about some of what you saw, I'll say, for the months and the years ahead. Before our global interruption, and yeah, you could know, talk for a few minutes on that one. <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: So, in other words, what had I forecast, and and then we'll go to how has that changed?
1: Yeah, and has that changed, or has just the the rapidity of implementation changed? So, no, I no, the- no. Many things have changed.
0: Okay. That's this good. will be a major dislocation of our economy
1: and therefore the workforce will come along. And that will affect how we live and how we interact, because that's kind of what we're focusing on now on. So what's our life going to be like? And what did you see it going well, to be like even
0: before? Shall we talk about before and after? Yeah. Let's yep. do the before. So as a futurist, typically you look at what's happened in the past, what's happening now, and project out what might be happening into the future. I think that was forwards for you, right? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's like the weatherman. You're not quite sure whether he's pointing that way or that way. Yeah. Well, as
0: a professional speaker, I like to, to do it right, because right. for our audiences, you know, it's, it's exactly the opposite from yes. what it is for us. Sometimes some of the newscasters even get that wrong. Yes, they do. So typically, we look at what's happened in the past, what's happening now, and project out a trajectory that does not show typically that things are going to be that different. We don't use the word prediction. A real futurist won't use the word prediction because it doesn't give us enough wiggle room. So we have a range of futures typically. And in fact, many futurists are looking at now forecasting the future in a different way using scenarios, using four different possible scenarios. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. But if we look at a normal trajectory at, at what we were seeing before January, before COVID started appearing, we were beginning to see some cracks in the economy, not so much in the United States, but certainly abroad. And from a a global view, we, I mean, we're, we're not alone anymore in the world. We are all, in fact, still, and even more now today, part of the same economic ecosystem, to a degree. And if you looked at that, we were in the United States in a very, very severe workforce shortage. Now, in 2003, Roger Herman, my late partner, and I wrote a book called Impending Crisis, Too Many Jobs, Too Few People. And in that book, using the data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the United States, it's a division of the Department of Labor, we projected that there would be a 10 million person shortfall by the year 2010. And then came the 2008 Great Recession. And that really changed that forecast. And we have come back from that and are doing extremely well in many ways, or were doing extremely well in many ways, and yet there was a shortfall of more than six million skilled workers here in the United States. We still have very critical shortages, especially in the health arena, and now it will be even worse because we're losing a percentage of our most valuable talent, the frontline nurses, the frontline ER docs, the frontline ICU people, nurses and doctors and hospitalists. We're losing them to the COVID crisis.
1: And the first responders, yeah.
0: And the first responders certainly as well, yes. Now that whole situation is... A nightmare in terms of where we are today, in part because we have not seen in Washington, DC, an appetite for supporting the cities and the states in the way that they need to be supported. And the truth is that the money could be there in a heartbeat if the federal government were willing to get its act together and float, I think that's the term, several bond issues. Because the rate of interest is so very low right now, it would cost us very little to do that. And it's something that we really ought to be doing right now if we want to survive as a society that feels like we want to live here. okay. Because without our first responders, I mean, who's going to respond when there's a fire? Who's going to respond when you think that your house is being broken into? And if, that, if there's no one there to respond, we're not going to be in good shape. There's going to be a higher level of insecurity, there's going to be a very different feeling. Many of the the folks who are in those positions right now will be in our job market and possibly not able to get jobs. And that's going to be a problem. However, now, may I jump to now? Are, we, are you
1: okay for me to jump to now? Yeah. So I was thinking not only just that environment, but also... How that's affecting the way we're living. What, you know, I'm home with family. You know, how is that affecting my life? Yeah. So we are going to need armies
0: of contact tracers. Armies. I mean, 150,000 people to handle the contact tracing that needs to be done and will need to be done in the United States to get us back to where we need to be. I've actually written about it in my trend alert because I wanted people to understand where we are right now. And so I pulled information from the information about testing, about the two different kinds of testing, and I can get into that if you want me to, And the contact tracing and treatment and vaccines are coming next. For right now, do you want me to talk about uh, where we are now in terms of the U.S.? So I'm going to have to
1: take a quick break. Okay. When we come back, maybe a little bit of now. I also want to know whether some of the technology, maybe some other things that in our personal lives may be we may be looking at in the future along with a little bit of now so let's let's kind of move forward into the future when when we come right back with that we'll be right back
0: that was the first part of our conversation with joyce joya you can learn more about joyce by clicking the link in the episode description with the top lessons from today's episode And you can continue the conversation with us by visiting our website, mindteamsolutions.com. We'll see you next time.